Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. So I'm excited. If you got your Bibles, um, we've got two verses that we're going to kind of live in primarily, but it's in 1 Corinthians. It's kind of the theme of this verse. And if you're new and you're just checking us out, we're in this series that we're calling Man Up. And, and, and the reason that we called it that is I believe that the language as it pertains to being a man today is all wrong. We call having a family, raising kids, trying to serve Jesus with all that you have, and trying to pay your bills and do things the right way. In our country, we call that settling down. And that's not settling down. That's manning up. And so we want to we call men into that because 40% of the young people in our country today will go to bed tonight with no father in the house at all. And we've got to be a part of changing that, both in the men that we're raising and then men as we're leading families. You say, why a series just for men? Because if a, a child gets excited about church and brings the parents, there's a 3.5% increase in the likelihood that the family will end up going to church and sticking. If the mom gets excited about church and drags the family, there's a 17% increase in the likelihood that the family will go to church. But men, I need you to listen to the power that you have available to you today. If the man is leading that conversation, there is a 93% increase in the likelihood that that family will go to church. Men, you have incredible power, and I want you to step into that in a godly way. In 1 Corinthians 16, it's our verse for the series, and it says it in this way, I love it. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Let's act like men. Let's step up. And The problem is, we really haven't had a great picture of what that means. Last week, we talked about the idea that the first role of a man is rejecting passivity, owning our role. It's not somebody else's job to read their Bible to us so we know things from it. It's not somebody else's job to protect our family name. That's our job. It's not somebody else's job to, to build a legacy for us. That's our job, and we have to own that. It's not somebody else's job to own the growth and the forward movement of the local church. Guys, it's our job. This weekend alone, there will be 14 million more women than men in the local church in the United States. And guys, I think we got to step up and begin to help where we can help and begin to make a difference. Some of us came last week and we thought, okay, I'm in it. Like you heard the series and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Okay, Josh, I'm going to reject. Pat. So like Monday, you, you get your family around the table and you're like, okay, we're going to pray. Maybe even for the very first time in your life, you're going to pray around the dinner table. And then just... It's hard, and, and, and then the kids keep interrupting, and it's loud. And, and then night two, you try it again, and then by like night three, you've quit trying. And then now we're just seven days removed from the moment where you decided, I'm going to own the spiritual leadership in our home, and then like kind of we've quit trying. And so the message today, if you really want to if, if really write down a title or a theme or an idea, it's just this. Be courageous. Just be courageous. Now, courage isn't the absence of fear. In fact, I would put it to you in this way. Courage is just caged fear. Courage 
is action in the presence of not knowing how it's all going to work out. It isn't somebody else's job to lead your family. And so today we want to help call you into that. In Deuteronomy, I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And let me set you some context really quick. There's a guy by the name of Moses. If you haven't heard of Moses, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was um, then, uh, he killed a man. There was an altercation. He fled for 40 years of his life. He's out in the middle of the wilderness. God speaks to him through a burning bush. He says, it's time to let my people go. It's time to man up, Moses. You've been hiding out here long enough. It's time to be a man and step into your role. And for 40 years, Moses just kind of stayed at home, but then he realized he had a greater call in his life. He began to step into that. God did several miracles and allowed Moses and the people to be released from Egypt, but then it set them on a journey of 40 years wandering in the desert. 40 years, they were kind of out in the middle of nowhere. We are drawing now, at this point in the story, to the very end of that 40-year journey. It's almost time now for God's people to cross over into the promised land, into the thing that he had for them. And then Moses comes to speak to them for his final time. Moses, verse 1, then went down and spoke these words to all of Israel. I am now 120 years old. I'm an old man. And I'm no longer able to lead you. So it's time to make a change. Men, that's why we're here today. It's time to make a change. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself is going to cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Basically saying, I'm leaving, but God never will. And Joshua also will cross over ahead of you. And if you don't know, Joshua was Moses' general. He fought all the fights. He was a warrior. Joshua will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said, and the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. Another way he's saying, when the future is uncertain, just trust the track record of God. Just, he's, he's reminding you of a little history lesson. God's always been faithful. Don't worry, he's still going to be faithful. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. And then I love this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. Some of you guys today and your families, you don't feel this, but I need you to hear this. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to leave you. God's silence does not mean his absence. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel. So there's this public transfer of authority. He's reminding him, and he says it in front of everybody, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with the people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors and, and, uh, to give to them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Seven times in this verse, God says, don't be afraid, don't get discouraged. Don't be afraid, don't get discouraged. Keep your head up. Why would God say this? Because they've never been down this road before. They've never gone this way before. This is not how they thought it was all going to look in their life. They, they, they didn't realize that they were going to raise an entire generation on the road 
Kids that had never known what it was like to really have a town that was their town. Kids that had never seen what it was like to have a house that was their house. And he said, you're going to go into a place, and now you're going to be preparing to build a home for your family. But don't be scared. I know you've never been this way before, but don't be discouraged. I think God could say that to the men today. Men, you've never been down this road before. Men, you've never been married before. Men, you've never tried to raise a kid before. Men, you've never tried to go off and find that first job before. You've never tried to start that career before. Like you've never had to look down the face of retirement and begin to ask the questions of legacy before. He said, you've never been down this road before. He said, but don't lose courage. Don't be afraid. God's never going to leave you guys. He's never going to forsake you. So what is courage? I think we have all kinds of ideas of it. as like It's like it's taking a rocket ship into outer space to drill a hole into a meteorite to blow it up before it hits the earth. Right? That's courage. It's going, it's going into Jurassic Park. Why they haven't blown that island up at this point, we don't know. But like it's going back in there. They're like, no, this should be fine this time. I think they put a leash on the T-Rex. We think that courage is like driving the bus and not letting it go under 55 miles an hour. Like we think that that's what courage is. And I think that, that uh, I love John Wayne. I, I, when I grew up, I was a huge John Wayne fan. A huge John Wayne fan. Um, don't, don't tell Kim, but like, we, like my son's name literally came from Big Jake. If you guys don't remember Big Jake, I mean, my fault, your fault, nobody's fault. Like, it is like such a good, he is, it's John Wayne's the best. The other, the, my other favorite movie was Cowboys. Because I always thought, you remember that movie? When he took a bunch of 12-year-olds out into the wilderness, and then they end up killing a bunch of guys? Like, it's like, it's pretty morbid, like when you, like, just say the script in a sentence, but it was John Wayne, so it works. John Wayne said it in this way. Courage is being scared out of your mind and saddling up anyway. See, the, the trouble with these, take the bullet, rescue the damsel, don't let the bus go under 55, jump on the grenade kind of things, is that's just, that's not our reality. We just don't have that opportunity. And we get all charged up for living this courageous life. And then tonight when I go home, I got to change diapers. I got I to gotta wash dishes. I got to take the trash down. That's my job. I got to take the trash down to the end of the road. I mean, it just, it's hard to be courageous. Like, we talk about these moments, right, of like jumping on the grenades, saving the guys, driving the bus, doing the courageous thing. And then we have bought into this lie that our life just has no opportunity to be very courageous. And then I had this thought. And I pray you would write this down. And, and maybe even more so, just let it get into your spirit. Too often we think of courage as what we are willing to die for. But what if courage is really about what we're willing to live for? We define courage by the bullet that we're willing to take. What if courage is the family that we're willing to raise? We define courage as the war that we'll go fight. And praise God for anybody that's ever put on the uniform. But what if, what if courage is putting down the remote and disciplining your kid when he backtalks your wife? What if courage is in the dating relationship setting boundaries that honor God? 
What if courage is waiting till you're married when everybody else is doing married things before the wedding day? Courage is the man who stays with his family when walking out would be a lot easier. Courage is turning down promotional opportunities because it'll take you away from your family. Courage is admitting when you're wrong. And courage, and I think this was the, the greatest definition I can give you, is finishing the race that God has marked out for you. The Bible says that God is the God of the harvest. And he said, therefore, pray to the God of the harvest because the workers are few. And the reality is, I would put it to you in this way, God's job is the harvest. God's ultimate job is the fruit of what your life will produce. Your job is just don't quit. Just keep working, keep at it, stay faithful, just don't quit. And I love this verse, and this is where we'll land today. In 2 Timothy, in the fourth chapter, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing his spiritual son. A guy that he says, I, I love you, boy. And he says this. Towards the end of his life, this is the last letter we would get from Paul before he was killed. And I think you should pay careful attention to the final words of a man. He said, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Listen, I fought for things that mattered. I didn't quit, and I stay faithful to the God that loves me and made me and called me according to his purpose. So what can we do today, men? A few thoughts. Number one, fight the right fights. Exodus 15.3 says, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. And I love that verse because the Bible says that you were made in the image of God. And so men, if you were made in the image of God and God is a warrior and God never changes, then you were made to be a warrior. But know this, a warrior without a cause to fight for will always find the wrong things to fight against. So you think your boss is your enemy or your wife is your enemy or your kids are your enemy or your career is your enemy and the devil of hell is your enemy and he wants to do nothing but distract you and destroy you and to get you to quit the race that God has called you to finish and finish well. And so we're going to fight the good fight. And I, I, I tend to look at my life and the lives of men that I get around and I realize we're fighting fights, but quite honestly we're fighting a bunch of fights that just don't matter. This guy, I'll show you this picture, he, this is a heinous looking dude. This man consumed 26,000 Big Macs. That's a Big Mac a day for like however many years. I don't know how many years, like carry the one, I don't know. But it's a Big Mac a day, 26,000 Big Macs. And can we put that back up? And whatever choice he has made with his hair is so inappropriate it's clearly this bang situation that needs to be stopped. <laughs> this guy became proficient. He cut eight, he, he, he has the world record for cutting apples in his mouth with a chainsaw. Eight in a minute, if you want to give it a shot today when you go home. Um, eight apples held in his mouth, uh, cut with a chainsaw. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly ridiculous skill to have acquired, but uh, this guy right here grew the world's longest mustache, uh, 14 feet long. That's what we're dealing with there. That is some substantial facial hair. Um, this man carried his wife on a table for 38 feet, 4 inches. 
carried the table with his mouth and carried her for 38 feet. That's a pretty ridiculous thing to have gotten good at. And here's the reality for all of those guys. They dedicated an inordinate amount of their life practicing a skill that would never make anybody in this world better for the thing that they had gotten really good at. And that's why I want to challenge you today to be focused on fighting the right fights. One of the greatest tragedies of a man's life would be to become great at something that doesn't matter. To become incredibly proficient at a thing that would never change the world that we live in. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against hobbies. Lord, I love hobbies. I think they're great. Guys, I think it's great. Blow things up. Shoot things. Hunt things. Eat various kinds of meats. Do those things. Run. Do races. Do go Sylvester Stallone style and find an underground arm wrestling ring. Nobody over the top. When that, got, when that hat got turned around somebody, every guy in this place wanted to fight somebody. If you haven't seen it, go home today. It'll bless your afternoon. <laughs> One of the greatest tragedies, though, would be to become really great at something that just doesn't matter. And here are some things that in this series and in this life and in this church, and for you, this is what I'm praying that you'd become really good at. The first thing that I, I need you to spend as much time on it as you do anything else is your relationship with God. That, men, you've got to own your relationship with God. That it's not somebody else's job to read you the Bible. It's not somebody else's job to pray for you. Now, listen, there are people that will pray for you. There are people that will teach you. And we're honored to do that. But your job, you've got to own that. We talked about it last week. You've got to own that. And I, I'm telling you, don't, 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 don't acquire knowledge for knowledge's sake. I see guys that try to read their Bible so they can get in fights with other people. That's not the point. I need you to read your Bible so that when you start to lose courage, when you start to lose hope, or you begin to believe that God might not show up in this thing, you need to understand your Bible isn't a book of exceptions. It's a book of examples. And that God took a bunch of regular, broken, ordinary people and used them to do extraordinary things so that no one would ever confuse that it was them that was responsible for it. He wants to do it in you too. You need to take responsibility also for your personal leadership. Guys, you have influence. Sometimes it's just in your house. But you've got to take responsibility for the influence that you have. I got up this morning, I'm thinking about this message, and became entirely convicted as I'm trying to raise kids. And one of those will one day be a man. And I thought, he's not going to become what I say. He's going to become what I do. And if what I'm doing on a daily basis would cause him hurt or pain or years of going down the wrong road simply because I refuse to acquire the discipline to lock myself up and get great. Just as a dad, it's hard for me to look at him and say, son, I love you. But I, I also know I've recognized I'm setting you up for years of pain that I could have avoided if I would have added some discipline to my life today. And it convicted me, guys. And there's going to be some things that have to change in my home now, today, that have to change. Has to. And then I have to take responsibility for the impact I'm making on the world. 
the great theologian, Hank Williams Jr., <laughs> said, no matter how I struggle and strive, I'll never get out of this world alive. You're going to be here for a little while. The Bible describes it as a vapor, just a moment. I'm 35, I'll be 36 years old this year, and I remember my father at this age. Like I, he, he's sitting right down here on the second row, and I remember thinking, how does he even get around? Like, <laughs> he's 35. Like, he's, at this point, you would think, you'd begin to think, somewhere around here, he's lost the will to carry on. He's 35. I mean, why is he even trying? I remember him playing in a basketball league at 35 and thinking, that has got to be the saddest thing I've ever seen to go watch 35-year-old men play basketball. Now at 35 years old, I think the fact that he could run up and down the court and play basketball, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Everything on me hurts. And I've got to own... I've got to own the impact that I'm making. I don't know how long I'm going to get to be here. Maybe it's just today. Maybe it's for another hundred years. But while I'm here, I've got to own my impact on the world. Man, I, I wish you would get a vision for your life. I wish that you would quit giving it away in five-day increments praying for the weekend. I wish that you would own that you were made with an incredible purpose and incredible power. And that God... When he made Noah and Moses and, and, and Peter and Paul and, and James and John, that there wasn't an extra planning meeting that went into their creation that he skipped when he made you. He made you with the exact same purpose and power. My prayer is that you would step into that. So then what do we have to do, men? If I'm going to own those things and I'm going to fight for things that actually matter, then I've got to make a commitment in my spirit and to my family to number two, I got to finish the race. I got to finish. I don't get to quit. I love, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, look, I have fought the good fight. Look, look what he said. I have finished the race. I did not quit. When quitting seemed like a great idea, when I was shipwrecked, when I was snake bitten, when I was hit with rocks, like it didn't matter what I went through. I just made the decision not to quit. Several years ago when Jake and Lily were babies, I competed in Ironman triathlons. Now, if you don't know what that is, um, that is a 2.4-mile swim, followed by a 112-mile bike, uh, followed by a full marathon, 26.2 miles. And all of that has to be completed in 17 hours or it doesn't count. You can do all of that and take 17 hours and one second, and you are not an Ironman. And um, I, was, I, had the, I had the privilege of, of competing in Ironman. And you hit the water, and it was, a, it was an open water ocean swim for 2.4 miles. With 4,000 men, most all of them better athletes than me, hitting the water at the same time. And it is literally like trying to swim inside of a washing machine. People kicking you water's everywhere everything that you practice in every pool that you ever got in means absolute bupkis at this point <laughs> i literally realized at this point everybody else in that water water wanted to drown me and so i'm just fighting for my spot the worst thing is you i had to do a mile get out 
run down the beach in ankle deep water and then go out and do it again and I'll never forget coming out of the water running down the beach like thinking I don't want to go back and hearing Bon Jovi oh you're halfway there hearing the song and like shut up Bon Jovi And I had to get back in the water. 112-mile bike, all by yourself. You're not allowed to get within three bike lengths of another cyclist, or it's considered drafting. And so I had to stay away from everybody. Like, you go insane. I'm six hours. Like, and I didn't even know what to do for six hours. So, like, I'm just doing math in my head, and I'm not good at math. That took an hour. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, like, I'm singing, like, like, he's like, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world. And they're like, I mean, I'm just like, and I know, like, I'm passing people on the bike, and they're like, that guy's lost his mind. And I'm like, he's got the whole world. It's like, Noah, he built him, he built him, an archie, archie. And, like, and, I, like, and these guys are like, that's a grown man. And then you get off the bike, and you have to transition. And my legs are like jello, and I have to go run a full marathon. And I got out, and my wife, I had seen her at just a couple of points in the day. I saw her as I came out of the ocean. I saw her as I was coming back in on the bike. And then I saw her as I was on the run at about mile 17. And guys, I was broken. Your digestive system starts to shut down because at that length in training, your body thinks you're trying to murder it. And even at the aid stations, they, they, they quit giving you food to eat to supplement the calories that you're burning. They just give you chicken broth so that your digestive system that's shutting down can at least get some type of nutrition. My legs are hurting so bad. Every single step, my, everything from my hamstrings, my quads, my calves, everything is cramping. I'm at mile 17. I have a lot of running left to do. And I saw my wife. And you know what I thought about? I thought about how many mornings I got up at four to go swimming. And I wasn't there to help with our, at the time, two. Now we have four, but I wasn't there to help with our two kids. I thought about the, the days where I would go swim for two miles, come back, change clothes, go to the church, work all day, and then come home, give everybody a kiss, and then go bike for 60 miles. I thought about the moments that she had been at home sacrificing while I was going out chasing this dream of mine. And I saw her. And I wanted to quit with everything in me. But instead of thinking about how far I had left to go, I decided to focus on how far I had already come. I'll never forget the last turn I'm just shuffling down. I, I think I've got a couple of pictures from that day. Let me, let me see. Can you show us one? Oh, yeah, check that out. Yeah, that's strong. That's that swim cap strong. That's when I decided, okay, if I go bald, I'll be all right. And then, um, and this is my wife. Now, you might think that's Rosie, uh, my, my baby, if you've ever met Rosie. That's actually Lily. So if you want to know how much they look identical to each other. And that's my wife. She had shirts made up for the kids that said Iron Monty on them. Oh, yeah. I, I thought the same thing when I saw it. Um, we got, I think, another picture from the run. Yeah, that's strong. I was in that spandex life. I was in that. Um, and then this is at the finish. 
And, um, the, you know, they were just babies at the time. There's my dad. I'll never forget. I, did, I wanted to quit with everything inside of me. And we're getting down to the finish line. And there's thousands of people there. Thousands. And I'm literally coming around the corner. And it's literally like, huh, huh. And then I saw them. And they had these shirts. And they had the signs. And they were screaming. I gave everybody a kiss. And I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the time that you stayed at home while I was out doing this. Thank you. And she said, thank you for not quitting. Now go finish. I'll never forget. I'll be a thousand years old and I'll never forget. They came over the loudspeaker. Thousands of people. And the guy says, from Lexington, Kentucky, Joshua Monty, you are an Iron Man. And I was just like... And the, the point of it all was that for you and for me today, I, my heart for you would be this. I need you to focus on how far you have come, not on how far you have left to go. And ladies, can, I, can you do me a favor with your man? Can we focus on how far we've come, not how far we have left to go? In a series like this, I feel like we get into a series like this, and then he comes home, and he tries to pray, and then listen, ladies, don't beat him up. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's never tried it before. This is his first time praying out loud. So you encourage him and get behind him. He's going to try to read his Bible, but he doesn't know the front from the back. It's okay. We're just going to encourage him. We're going to get behind him. He's been kind of absentee as it would come to the discipline. And then he's going to step in. Don't be back there undermining him the whole time. Let him step up and encourage him. And you say, yeah, you better do what your daddy says because when he's done beating you, then I'm going to beat you. We're on the same team. Like, get behind him. Get behind him. And we tend to focus on the journey that we still have left to go. And the way that you can keep from quitting is to focus on how far you've come. Be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Be patient. So we're going to focus. A couple stories. Thomas Edison said his teachers said he was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. As an inventor, Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. When a reporter asked, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. Albert Einstein did not speak until he was four years old, didn't read until he was seven. His parents thought he was subnormal. One of his teachers described him as mentally slow, unsociable, and adrift forever in foolish dreams. He was expelled from school and refused acceptance to Zurich Polytechnic, he did eventually learn to speak and read and even do a little math. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. He went bankrupt several times before he built Disneyland. In fact, the proposed park was rejected by the city of Anaheim on the grounds that it would only attract riffraff. And listen, guys, let me just tell you something as a side note. If you've got a dream in your heart, stay faithful, don't quit. People dissatisfied with their place in this life will always try and put you in yours. In 1954, Jimmy Denny, manager of the Grand Old Opry, fired Elvis Presley after one performance. He told Elvis, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back and drive a truck. Jack London, 
the author of White Fang and so many other American classics, received 600 rejection slips before he sold his first story. So make today, men, some declarative statements over your future. I will not quit. I will finish the race. When I was 18 years old, I, read, I was running in the only 5K that I ever entered into in my life. I've, I've run one 5K. Um, at that point, I was, I, was in, I was in really good shape. And we, we line up at this 5K, and there's some like actual runners in this thing. And I'm standing next to my best friend at the time, a kid named Chris Heath, who went to serve in the United States Army in the Cavalry. And he, we're standing there shoulder to shoulder, and the gun fires. Boom, we take off. Now, Chris was a state champion distance runner. Um, I was a better sprinter than he was, but he had the lungs. We took off, and at the time, there was about 100 people in the immediate circle around us. And as the race continued to go on, and a half mile, and a mile, and a mile and a half, and two, it started to get thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner, the crowd that was around us. With about a half mile left to go, it was just me and a couple of guys. There was one guy out in front of me by about 50 yards, and Chris knew that he, as a sprinter, didn't have the wheels to go catch him. But with about a half mile to go, for reasons that I can't explain to you, it was just, I was young, I, I had never trained for distance. My heart was beating out of my chest so bad that I couldn't breathe. I just stopped. Half mile to go, just stopped. Chris could have kept running, but he noticed that I stopped, and he turned around, and he said, Monty, what are you doing? I said, I'm done, man, go on. And I'll never forget this. He turned around, and he screamed at me in front of everybody. There's people all down the, the side watching this race. And he said, Monty, in this life, you're a fighter or a quitter, but you're never both. Now run. It's been now 18 years ago, and I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Because I made a choice in that moment. You're a fighter or you're a quitter, but you're never both. And I took off. I caught the guy. And I won the 5K. And I never entered into another 5K ever again. Because I've won 100%. <laughs> and I refuse to break my record. <laughs> You're either a fighter or a quitter, but you cannot be both. In this video... October 20th, 1968. Can you show us that? Mexico City, Olympics. One incredible act of courage took place around 7 p.m., an hour after the marathoners had finished. An hour after the race was over, the medal ceremony had taken place and the stands had begun to clear. An announcement was made. The announcer said that the final runner was entering the stadium. With much confusion, the crowd paused, watched, and then erupted in cheers. As John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania limped his way around the track. At the halfway mark in the race, Aquari took a spill, dislocating his knee and smashed his head. His story has become known as the greatest 
Last place finish. He finished 57th place. The next day, the press asked him why he didn't quit. His response, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. I disagree with the announcer. He said it was the, gre the greatest last place finish in the history of sport. It's not true. 75 runners started that race. Only 57 finished. There were 18 quitters. He wasn't in last, and he never could be because he didn't quit. Men finish well. We're going to finish the thing that we started. So number three, I'm going to foster faith. He said, I have kept the faith. I held on to it. Trust and faith are an interesting relationship. My faith grows when my trust grows. You see, when my family and I moved down here, we didn't know anybody. A year ago right now, we didn't know anybody in this community. We just came down here with a dream. But I knew that God would be faithful. I knew he would supply all the right people and all the right resources to start this thing. My faith was huge for what God would do because he'd used us to do it before. My faith was big because my trust was big. My trust had grown because I had taken steps in obedience and each time God proved himself to be faithful. If you want your faith to grow, men, take a step. Sometimes I think we want our faith to magically grow. Our faith grows when our trust grows and our trust grows when we take steps. So get in a group. Take steps to open yourself up to relationship. You have the faith that your marriage can be healed and your kids can be better and your life can be filled with purpose and power. Well, to have that kind of faith, you may not have that right now. But go get around some men that do. Some of you have the faith that your finances could be completely different. Like you could finally get some breakthrough. Feel like you could breathe a little bit. Well, then you're going to have to start trusting God at some point and taking the steps with what he's already told you to do. Some of you think that you're past your prime. That God could never really use you in a great way to impact the world. Men, listen to me. Especially you guys that got a little platinum in your hair. We need you now more than ever. A generation of fatherless men is coming up and they need the local church to be the group of men that they can look to to understand how to love your wife. They need the local church to be the place that they can look to to understand how to raise godly kids. They need the local church to be the place where men can assemble, where they screw up and they mess things up and they've blown it, where they can get together and say, I'm sorry, and seek forgiveness and repent. They need to see a group of men that are gathered together, not as perfect people, but men who are fighting fights that matter, who absolutely refuse to quit, and understand that without God, none of it matters anyway.
Some of you today came in here completely prepared to quit. Don't quit. Stay in the marriage. Stay, stay in there with your kids. I know they're acting like knuckleheads right now. And I know you want to smack them around. But hey, listen. Men finish well. Men don't quit. Some of you have sons that just haven't stepped into God's best for their lives yet. Don't quit on them. Your heavenly father has not quit on them. And they are not a lost cause. The version of me at 18 had no business standing up here. But God saw fit to call me into something that was bigger than anything I ever could have imagined. And my only job, no matter what I experienced, no matter what I came up against, my only job, the thing that I was never going to be allowed to give away for the rest of my life, was not quitting. See, man, you can be a fighter or a quitter, but never both. Let's fight. Father, we thank you for today. And we thank you for what you're doing in this place, and we thank you for what you're doing in men. And men right there, just in your seat, I, I feel like even for some of you, you feel a little discouraged right now. It's been a tough season for you. Men, maybe you feel like I felt in different seasons you thought you'd be farther along at this point than you are. Can we have the confidence to believe today that you are exactly where God has you? Because he loves you and he hasn't forgotten about you? Can you know right now that God loves you so much that even in the moments that you feel like are your tough days, that your heavenly father loves you so much that he's doing a work in you so that he can bring breakthrough through you. Men and ladies, listen to me. Some of you today are trying this life without the one thing that I think will change everything, and it's a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't finish well. You can't finish well alone. We need his Holy Spirit in our life. We need a real relationship with Jesus, not religion, not me trying to be good, but me serving a God that we know is great. Some of you young men, listen to my voice. Do not waste the years of your youth fighting for things that will never make a difference in the world. Take charge of the call that God has placed on your life right now. I don't care if you're 8 or 80. That we say today, God, I believe that you made me for a purpose. That we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God, you yourself prepared in advance 
before the beginning of time. Father, today, in the best way we know how, we give our life to you. We surrender our our call to you. We surrender our destiny to you. Understanding we have no hope of finishing well if we're not connected to the finisher. God, I thank you that this, this work in me is not done. I thank you I am not who I used to be, but I thank you I'm not who I'm gonna be. God, I thank you you can be a fighter or a quitter. You could have quit on us and you never did. God, you saw us as good. You saw us as an opportunity to change the world. And we thank you for that today. And church, we join with heaven in saying thank you, Jesus, for using us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, church, give God your best today. Come on, just thank him. Come on, men, celebrate what God's doing in your life. And we just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're not done with me. Come on, church. If you're going to praise him, give him everything you got. If you're going to praise him, he's worthy. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.